This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow Building Better Businesses listeners, and welcome to another edition of our program. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am your host. I own a business called Transworld Business Advisors. I'm one of seven Chicagoland offices. There's about 250 of us uh, worldwide. We are the largest business brokerage in the world, and uh, we are the fastest growing. Uh, We cater to small and medium-sized clients, business owners who are looking to sell, and we uh, confidentially assist them and match them with qualified buyers. We also help them expand through a number of ways. Number one would be, of course, acquisition. And number two, if you wanted to develop the franchise model, we can assist you with that. So I'm delighted to uh, have another edition of this program. And today we have Paul Claxton, who defines himself. Uh, actually, he's technically is a venture partner with reciprocity. That word bothers me. I can't say that too well, but he'll tell you more about that in a minute. And he's going to tell you about uh, his philosophy on building better businesses. So, Paul, first of all, thank you so much for joining me from across the pond. You're in Ireland today. I'm in Chicagoland. Uh, I appreciate it. Yep, thanks time. for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. So tell us a little bit more about you and your current business, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So my professional career started when I was just 18. I joined the Marine Corps, spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. did a number of things from infantry operations to running command centers uh, that reported directly to the Pentagon. Uh, After my fourth tour in Iraq, I decided it was time for a change after 10 years on uh, active duty with the Marines. And so I set up, I settled into the private sector and I've done everything from uh, headhunting to project ERP software project management roles to working as a project manager at startup companies, Fortune 500 companies, and marketing firms. 2016, I started my own business, which is Reciprocity, ROI. Um, and what we do is we develop products, technology products, mainly in the AI and the robotics areas, but uh, we do touch IoT quite a bit. So we develop products and then uh, come up with uh, different ways to innovate those products or existing products into new markets and um, areas of business. So I do that. And then I'm also a shareholder in another company, an AI company called Fornux. And I'm also a venture partner in a uh, robotics AI uh, venture, venture capital firm called the Robotics Hub. So when we, uh, before we even started the broadcast here, you were talking about you're a traveling man an international entrepreneur, 
who doesn't really stay in one place at one time. So that sounds like it's a pretty exciting endeavor as well, right? It is. And, and I really think that that is at the heart of entrepreneurship is exploring what the world has to offer. That sounds good. First and foremost, I have to thank you for your service. And I respect you for a couple of things. Number one, of course, uh, doing what you did in the military that I commend you for. And secondly, I would say that that is probably a good learning experience for discipline. And I can see why project manager was one of your skill sets, because there's nothing more, I think, intense in, in regards to training and uh, and uh, philosophy of uh, sticking to the knitting, if you will, than being in the military. Would you agree with that? I have to agree, Steve. Uh, project manager tends to be a direct a direct transfer role uh, from the mil- for a lot of military veterans, you know, when they get out. Yeah. So it's funny. I worked for a company called Fuel Cell Energy in Danbury, Connecticut, and they do uh, uh, stationary power. And one of the key ingredients they wanted for their engineers was military background because of the discipline they had over their experience. So uh, I commend you and uh, I respect you for that. Let's, uh, that. Yeah, let's rewind the videotape a little bit. Let's go back to your childhood. And tell me a little bit about uh, where you're born, how you grew up, uh, what kind of parental and family influence you had that kind of formed uh, where you are today. Interesting. So I was born into a middle class household, but my family, like every family, has issues that they have to work through, right? So I'm uh, born in Flint, Michigan, lived there until I was about six, six and a half years old. And then uh, from there, I never lived in one place. Um, for more than three years until I was, let's see, 28 years old, which is when I left the Marine Corps. So never lived in more one place for more than three years. Um, one of those places that I lived is where you're at right now, Chicago, uh, the northwest suburbs of Chicagoland. I come from a military family. My dad was a Vietnam vet, Marine, Force Recon, drone instructor. So the best of the best. And then you know, I kind of saw I saw my my family uh, um, go through different generations of the military. My oldest brother joined the Marines uh, when he was out of high school, and he was in Desert Storm. Uh, and as I kind of continued through uh, my childhood, you know, ended up kind of having all these different challenges and these different just kind of very um, very unorthodox uh, type of experiences in terms of what a normal childhood would be, right? And so a lot of separation there. Lost my mom when I was 14 years old, um, had three step parents, went to five different high schools and so forth. And I think a lot of that affected my ability to focus when I was in high school. And so I didn't do as well as I think I could have done in in high school. Um, And that was the reasoning behind my decision, you know, being that, you know, my dad's pretty hardcore. For some reason, I felt like if I joined the Marine Corps, I would have it easier. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> when I got to Marine boot camp, I was, I was wanting to go back home, but um, it was the best thing I could have done with my life. Um, and it really got me back on track in terms of my ability to focus and have discipline. And right around four or five years of being in the Marine Corps, I finally decided that it was time to go and start you know, uh, getting back into school. Um, so I started college and uh, completed my bachelor's while, while, while I was in the Marines. And um, yeah, that was really a great launch pad for me. So that's kind of how I got from, you know, my childhood and at a very surface level, some of the experiences that I've had and then what led me to joining the Marine Corps. 
So when you're in, no, number one, I got to say, I'm so sorry about the loss of your mother at an early age, but the story you just told us kind of described the situation where you had to deal with adversity from a very young age. And not that I would ever welcome that upon anyone, but I would say that somehow, some way that had a positive influence about how you got to be where you are today. Is that right? I would have to say so. Yeah, I would definitely have to say so. I think that, you know, is when we're younger, we're, we're more impressionable, right? And that is why, it's, you know, I, I think, you know, as adults, when we have kids around us and so forth, we're very careful about what we say around them because kids are so impressionable and they don't always take that and use it in positive ways, right? It, it has a lot to do with their own psychological and genetic make, makeup. But for me, you know, I had no choice but to kind of fight or flight, right? A lot of times during my childhood and I was forced to deal with things and that built in a, a kind of heartening into my mentality, I think at a younger age. And then of course, joining the Marine Corps only, you know, took that along further, right? And so I think at the end of the day, what I've learned is, you know, there's two things in this life. There's problems and there's solutions. And I am solution focused, but in order to be solution focused, I have to I have to figure out what's not working and then keep trying things using creativity until I find something that does work that leads me to a solution. And then I stick with that solution. I build good habits on top of that solution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So again, you got your bachelor's degree. What was that discipline in and how does that relate to what you're doing today? Because we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about business and stuff like that. Go ahead. I would say the, the only way that it relates is the fact that I was able to start something and finish it. <laughs> and um, some of the psychology courses that I took, I minored in psychology. I would say that a lot of that does have some correlation to entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is not a, uh, you know, being a business owner or being an entrepreneur, it's not a natural thing from a psychological standpoint, facing your fears and everything that you have to do to build a better or more successful business is not something that we're naturally born with. Entrepreneurs are built over time. They're not born. And so what I did is is I majored in criminal law. I minored in psychology and I applied to CIA and NSA before I left the Marine Corps. And those things did not happen for me. It's it's very competitive, even for a a decorated Marine like myself. And so at that point, I was kind of lost, you know, like a lot of uh, people are who are in their 20s you know, even with the experiences that I did have. And um, it took some years for me to find my way and get through the transition from Marine to civilian and so forth. And eventually I I did find my way. But um, how do I use that today? I would say a, a lot of it is just ultimately, obviously I'm not in law enforcement, but I would say that the psychological aspects of that degree have definitely helped me in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. There is a uh... There's a mis, I guess there's a misunderstanding or maybe uh, people think differently. Mergers and acquisitions, buying and selling businesses, operating a business. It may sound like it's very numbers oriented and it's just tried and true facts, mathematicals. You know, here's a value based on this calculation. But there's a, a strong emotional element to being a successful entrepreneur because you've got to interact with people. You've got to understand yes. them. You have to listen. You have to interpret. So I wouldn't say your psychological degree is went to waste at all, because it's a, probably an integral part of what you do today. Am I right? I have to say so, you know, and, and it's it's not even just the degree, but, you know, that's the formal education piece. But 
you know, not living in a in a cocoon and, and getting out and, you know, creating different experiences for yourself. I, I've lived in Ireland for over a year now, you know, so this is an experience. It's a once in a lifetime thing that I got to do before I'm 40. I'll be 40 in October. And, uh, you know, those are those are educational in a way. Absolutely. You continue to learn and uh, gain experience as you uh, kind of go through those. But let, let's talk a little bit about your current business. So you mentioned the acronym AI. I think most of our audience knows what AI is. But what specifically are you doing when you interact with your clients? What are you trying to help them? You mentioned that you're a solutions uh, focus. So what are you doing with AI, artificial intelligence, to help them be more successful and solve any problems that may exist? Well, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, the education pieces around this. There are a lot of what I could kind of say, the truth of the matter is if you do any any research on AI, and investors are very cautious of this in terms of companies that call themselves AI companies, they're not really AI companies. So a true, you know, what is AI really? And so it's the education piece that we offer to our clients, right? Not that we're putting them through classes or anything like that. But the fact that we, you know, we've built these products and, you know, we're living and breathing in this space. The key thing with AI is not in the technology itself, itself but it's really in the computing power and the data. Because if you don't have data, AI is useless. You got to have data and then you got to have the ability to compute that data, you know, cumulatively in a compounding effort over time, right? Because that that data is going to grow. And so you're going to need more and more computing power over time. And so like with our products and whatnot, we've built products that can essentially have proliferating computing power over time as as the uh, data grows. And therefore, with that computing power or what those that AI software can do is it can strengthen the hardware, uh, the systems, the infrastructure, the backend SaaS uh, software. It can strengthen that so that the systems aren't essentially overloaded and then vulnerable to attack. Because that that is the problem with AI is that the computing many times the computing ability doesn't match the data behind it, right? So you have too much data, the system gets confused, and then you're vulnerable to attacks and so forth. And that's why AI fails a lot of times. So can you give us some specific examples of A, either the typical client that you're helping, or B, a specific example of what you just described? Like for me, and this is going to sound so elementary, I just on Amazon bought a remote thermometer to cook my meat on my grill without me having to watch the meat cook. So now I'm going to get alerted by carrying a remote monitor that's going to tell me, Steve, the steak is done, but that needs more time so I can do other things. So that's going to help me. And I know that's very simple and very elementary. What kind of specific example can you give us regarding how, how you can manage computing power for the benefit of clients being more intelligent with how they use it? Yeah. Uh, so for example, right now, we're working with a pretty large company, an enterprise level company that is looking, they're asking for our help to help them expand in the life sciences arena. So bio life sciences, biotech and so forth. And so what we're doing is we're essentially, um, you know, building a consortium of products that we can sell to consumers and then kind of track that on the back end, right? And collect that data. And then our AI software then hooks into the platform itself and it helps those products run a little a lot more efficiently for the consumers. And then we pull that data back in and we 
we bring that to our client and then they then have better insights in terms of how those products are performing if they need to you know build uh, new features or what features would be most useful to the consumers in terms of how they're currently performing so that's that's one thing that we're doing right now in the area of life sciences biotech so think about biosensors uh, bioelectronics um, anything that people or doctors or clinics would use to help people live healthier lifestyles particularly it's been a big need here within the last year or so with the pandemic with aging in place and people living at home and remote care and and that type of stuff so we've seen a big increase in need there in terms of telehealth type solutions not not only for like the organization that I mentioned that we're working with but for hospitals doctors and clinics as well so those products would be able to kind of be like almost almost kind of like a um, think of it in terms of like a server room where we're pulling in all this data from products across the world and then we're compiling that data and we're we're taking kind of like a macro look at how this data is being used and distributed or how it's affecting uh, how the consumers are responding to it and then we're dissecting it in certain areas to determine where the gaps are does that make sense yeah, it does. It does. And it sounds like you do a lot of work in the life sciences area. Does your service offerings include other industries as well? And is your client, uh, is your typical client based on a particular size or is size not an issue with what you do? Size hasn't really been an issue. The company that I just mentioned is they do $4 billion a year in revenue. So generally speaking, we'd probably be more apt. Again, size is less of a concern. Uh, but we're we're probably more apt to work with companies kind of in the mid market space. But we don't really rule anybody out where there is a need. You know, there is a need, and that's that's why we're here. Okay. So again, other industries than life sciences is it pre- predominantly in the healthcare area, or is it other industries? Would you say manufacturing? That's another big one. Obviously, with you know robotics, and then when you're talking about products, uh, distribution comes into play especially with like bioelectronics and whatnot. Uh, but not just for that. I mean, I mean there, there are companies that we're talking to that currently do quite a bit of work in um, like facilities management, facilities care, right? There's another company that we've been in conversations with that we're not currently doing work with, but they're, they're a big automotive manufacturer. So anything manufacturing related, I, I think that, you know, robotics, well, first off, I think AI is going to touch pretty much anything that you can think of, any industry, any product. I think that, you know, AI has a lot of opportunity for growth in the coming decades. And so that's just going to be like number one for a long time. And I think robotics is going to be a big part of that because you you can't really, today, the way AI is set to explode and when it comes to the devices, you mentioned the, the thing that you go around to check the temperature on what you're cooking, right? So these are devices that we're talking about and it's a type of hardware, right? So that's where robotics comes into play. So you, so you really can't have AI without the hardware. And so that's that's where we're headed. And so I think robotics is the other thing when it comes to manufacturing or you know any sort of healthcare, or, you know, city infrastructure, smart cities, that type of stuff. So robotics is also going to be, you know, have a lot of opportunity for growth and, and it's certainly not going anywhere as well. And I think it'll grow in, in conjunction almost simultaneously to the way AI is going to grow. 
So mainly yeah. healthcare and, and manufacturing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, <laughs> if I'm a client, you just called me up and you said, Steve, I want to help you out. And you know nothing about my business other than the fact that I manufacture stuff. So what would be the first three questions you need to get from me to help you help me, if you know what I mean? So you're, you're at your first client meeting. What are you trying to focus in on in your first meeting so that you can provide your products and services to assist? What are you looking for? Uh, well, the first thing that I would do is I would ask you, you know, how you're approaching ESG criteria, because if you can kind of factor in, you know, the ESG cr- criteria, and if you're not familiar with the acronym, economic, social, and governance, right, in terms of, you know, how you're manufacturing your product and, um, and you know, what, what materials you're using to make that, how is that affecting the environment around you, the community around you, and so forth, and how is that essentially you know, either driving your costs, your cost of production up or down. So I would look at those things because I believe that if you, if you can build an ESG criteria in, then you're going to, and you can do it effectively, you're going to drive your costs down. So that's number one. And then number two, I would ask how you're currently employing technology in your business processes, in your manufacturing processes, in your production. Uh, so that I would say the third one and then or the second one. And then the third one would be, you know, how, how are you currently um, looking to scale, you know, into different markets? Like how, how are you doing distribution and whatnot? Because that's it's one thing to manufacture a product. But if you if you're only if you don't have distribution and if you don't have commercialization, it doesn't really mean anything. So, you know, if you're not punching into different markets, different industries, if you don't have a strategy for that, you're not going to scale as broadly as much as, as you could be capable of. And, and the other thing is when it comes to number three, there are, you know, IP commercialization, right? Are, are, there, are there areas where you have gaps um, or where you have not filled buckets where you could potentially um, commercialize uh, your IP or your product in some other kind of way, right? So that's where innovation R&D comes into play. What what resources are going untapped within your organization? Those would be the first things. Yeah, that sounds very uh, very good. And uh, certainly, I do not have the uh, any wherewithal to help anyone out in that regard. So, all you business owners looking to do where Paul can help you, be sure to reach out to him. Unfortunately, Paul, we're coming near the end of our uh, segment here. Is there anything that uh, our questions didn't cover that you want to make sure you get across to the audience? No, I mean, you know, if the only thing I would I would leave you with is just if if you need to find me on LinkedIn, you can look up Paul Claxton. I'm pretty recognizable. Venture venture partner, you'll see venture partner robotics, US Marine, et cetera. You'll know who I am, uh, based in New York City. And then I do have a UK LinkedIn profile based in London. Outside of that, the only thing I would leave you with is just that uh, hey, I'm here to help. If you connect with me, you'll have a friend and a business partner for life, whether we do business or not. Those are powerful words. I appreciate that, Paul. Hey, thank you, you so much. Thank you for your time. Audience, thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of this session as I did. And uh, we'll see you on another edition of Building Better Businesses in the near future. Thanks so much. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, 
we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.